join me in, uh, in this powerful, powerful letter in what may be arguably the greatest proclamation ever made of the proclamation that Jesus made with every breath of his life about who he was and is and will be. Paul writes these words about who Jesus is in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. He says of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things in heaven and on earth were created things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. And you, who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May we also become passionate servants of this gospel for the sake of the world knowing Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, that's the only thing that matters. And we praise you for it and that we know it, that your name would be above every name. Thank you. Let your word come now in all of its fullness, not only in word but in power, in your Holy Spirit, and with the full assurance that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord. For you are our rock, and you are our redeemer. Amen. It's really important that we know who Jesus is. Every day. And I think a lot of times we live in a culture where we think we do know who Jesus is. Yeah, he's in the Bible. I got a Bible someplace. The world that we're in tends to think that way. But we need to know why Jesus is the biggest deal. Fifteen years ago this week, and I didn't know that when I was putting this together, but it turns out that it was 15 years ago this week, a Presbyterian minister, and it it could have been from any number of denominations, but a Presbyterian minister told 600 people attending a conference in a speech that Jesus wasn't a very big deal. He said, so what's the big deal about Jesus? 
His point was that for him, Jesus is just one of many paths to salvation. He said, God's ability to work in our lives is not determined by becoming a Christian. So what is the big deal about Jesus? I think what he said was actually very helpful because it challenges us to answer this question. What is the big deal about Jesus? And I I think, let let me say this. I don't think this statement that was made, and it's made in many ways. It wasn't just made 15 years ago. It wasn't made just by one person. I don't think this kind of statement has anything to do with salvation. Because, you see, if Jesus isn't the big deal, then the speaker, whoever says it, doesn't really believe we need to be saved. If you don't believe Jesus is the big deal, it's like, well, I didn't really have anything that really needed to be changed. That I didn't need to be restored to right relationship with God because after all, God and I get along pretty good. No. That's the problem. And I say this because the speaker said something that our culture has rallied around. Here's the quote. God's ability to work in our lives is not determined by becoming a Christian. Well, you know what? That is logically impossible. It is logically impossible for God to work in our lives without becoming a Christian. Oh, God's Holy Spirit can knock on the hard heart and can say, it's me, and you don't believe in me, and you don't know me. God can work that way. But until we open that door, until that door is open for God to come in and actually penetrate the darkness and the hardness of our hearts and the confusion and, and all that keeps us from depending solely, completely, and only upon God in Jesus Christ for our hope, it will be logically impossible for God to work. You see, Jesus does not say, behold, I stand at the door with a fire axe, and if you don't open it, I'm going to tear it down and come in and change things. He says, I'm knocking, and until you open it, we, we are not going to be able to go to the next step, the step. You see, if, if we don't go with Jesus, we don't know what salvation really is. If we don't open the door, we don't know just who this is and why he has come for us. This is why the rich young ruler, you remember the story about him who came and said, what do I need to do to get e- eternal life? This is why he walked away when Jesus showed him that he had to get rid of the old way and and go with him, and open the door, and live exclusively for him. Now we might go, oh, wait a minute. I'm not doing that. I haven't done that. I might want to do it, but I haven't. Right. But God's Holy Spirit can equip us. The question is, do we want that? Do we desire that? You see, what Paul confronted has snowballed in 2,000 years in our time and in the church, and this is why Paul says here, at the core, what it means to know what life is really about, the short days that we have here. If, if Jesus is what Paul says he is, and I'm not for a second suggesting that he's not, but if Jesus is everything that Paul says he is in this short passage, we need to look at how it touches every way that we live and in every way that we die. 
So let me give you just some quick key thoughts. Paul says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus really lived. Anyone here have a question about that? No one has been more historically documented in ancient history as having lived than Jesus of Nazareth. That is just indisputable unless you just want to say, I don't believe in history. All right? And that is why I am so passionate about taking people to Israel. If you can go, come with us in 2016. You see, the evidence is there. Paul says that Jesus was the God of all that has been and is and ever will be. And you know what? Paul didn't make this up. It wasn't like he said, well, I'm going to make Jesus in my own image. No. Jesus says that he is the source of all that is and ever has been and ever will be. Here are four things that say Jesus is the big deal. And Jesus said them. The most documented personality of ancient history said these things. First, Jesus claimed to be the source of truth. That there is no truth apart from who he is. That what he is about is the definition of life and meaning of eternity, past, present, and future. You can look it up. John 8, 31 and 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free when you continue, he says, in my ways. Two, Jesus claimed to be equal with God. Anyone ever says to you, well, he was really good, and he's a lot like God, but he's not God. Look at this right here. Over and over again, but just in particular, John 10, 30 to 33, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. He says in John chapter 3, no, in John chapter 14, if, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus categorically claimed to be the God, the one and only God. Three, Jesus claimed to be the unique way of salvation. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said in that same chapter, John chapter 3, verses 35 to 36, you can look it up. He said, the Father loves the Son and has placed all things in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but it must endure God's wrath. He is the way, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He said that. Four, the eyewitness followers of Jesus claimed he was God, the only way to salvation, because they saw him die. They knew he was dead. He was in the ground. He was in the ground long enough that the body should have been decaying, and he came back. So what do we say? And beyond what do we say? How is who Jesus is active in our lives? How is it changing the way we look at life and how we look at eternity? Paul proclaims, all things hold together in Jesus. What does this mean? It means he is the only one 
the one who alone can overcome the entropy of sin. Anybody know what that means? You know what the second law of thermodynamics is? Have you ever looked at a teenager's room after it's been cleaned up? <laughs> Have you ever looked at it two days later? It has gone from an organized to a disorganized state. For those of you who aren't teenagers and are in those what we call the golden years, have you ever noticed that that which was previously organized is not as organized as it used to be in terms of your body any longer? On a serious note, the second law of thermodynamics, the entropy of sin, means that things decay and wear out and we cannot control that. And yet, it is only because God came into the world in person, in Jesus Christ, that that is reversed. Nothing is going to reverse the fact that things are decaying and wearing out. The sun will burn out. Things will go away. These bodies will go away. Only one thing can overcome that. The grace of Jesus Christ. He overcomes the wearing out of our bodies, and he overcomes the answer to, whatever happened to the other sock, you know, in the dryer? Everything, from the most ridiculous to the most sublime. He answers the question of, how do we get out of the hell of knowing? How do we get out of the hell of knowing that apart from him, we will not be, and it won't be just poof, and you're gone, and everything's just fine, and you don't know it anymore. And if anybody ever tries to sell you on that one, come, have them come see me. I have stood at the bedside of over 400 people, and none of them have said, particularly apart from a Christian testimony, it's okay, I'll just not be anymore. I'll just go to sleep, and I'll be in la-la land, and everything will be fine. No. Those who did not know Jesus Christ were absolutely petrified because they knew that this thing was out of their control, the law of entropy was happening, it was wearing out, and they did not know one, anything except that they were going to be in the dark alone. Paul says that Jesus was and is who he is so that he is the one to have first place in everything. He is the first one to be raised. Why? so that we may all be raised with him, so that there will be no end. But the question is, is Jesus first in our lives? What does it look like? If Jesus is in first place, how come I end up being the first word in many of my thoughts and sentences? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to I? Why don't I get... No. If Jesus is first, all of those questions get answered in the best sense possible. He is the one taking care of me. He is the one ordering my private world and my public world. And if Jesus is first and the big deal, this is really important. If Jesus is everything that he said he was and that Paul testifies to his being, why would we ever begin to be timid in telling people this or at least living like he is the first and the best and the life-changing hope that affects every single facet of living and dying. Can you imagine? Think about this. We all get done with this life, and some of us will be done sooner than others. Some of us are younger. Some of us will go, as Stacy did, we would say, too early. Can you imagine? We're all done. Everybody's done, as it will be, because no one gets out of this place alive. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. They teach us that in seminary. It's a little secret. 
nobody gets out of this alive. Imagine we get done, and we're all gathered around, and everything that the Bible said is true, and that there will be a hope, and there will be an eternity, and there will be peace everlasting, and there will be all that God has said, and, and, the razor's edge away from that, on the outside, looking in, will be darkness and separation from God. Imagine that. that, That's what the Bible says it's going to be. Imagine people who you knew being in that situation and we trusted in the light of Jesus Christ and we're there with him. And they're on that razor's edge on the outside looking in. Imagine they, they say to us, you mean you knew about this and you didn't tell me? And, and can you imagine the lame response of, well, I, I, I didn't want to offend you. I, I didn't want to force Jesus on you. And after all, remember how offensive it would have been for me to tell you Remember when we we were back in 2015 and 16 and 17 and how politically incorrect it was to say that Jesus was the only way? That's why I didn't tell you about him. I didn't want to hurt your feelings and I didn't want to say he was the only hope because after all, that just would have been so. But you knew he was, they'll say to us. But you knew, and not just for you, you knew for everybody he was. You could have said something. You could have told me. Well, I, I didn't want to make you mad. And, and, and besides, you seemed okay. You seemed, like, happy. Seemed okay. Didn't anyone ever tell you ignorance is bliss? I was miserable. Here's the question. Do we know that Jesus is the big deal? Because if he is, we're not going to hesitate in word or action to live like it and to tell it and to proclaim it. Yeah, did you ever see anybody stick a water garden hose into their gas tank of their car? Yeah, I think some little kids thinking they were going to be helpful to daddy might have tried that at some point. If you ever saw somebody do that, would you hesitate to grab the hose out of their hand? Would, would anyone? Oh, well, I didn't want to offend you. You seemed like you really kind of liked it. No. How about this one? You're at, a cross, you're at a corner, a busy intersection. Somebody's on their phone. They're not looking. They start to cross in front of traffic. Total stranger. You, have, you don't know them. Are you going to hesitate to grab their arm and worry about pulling it out of the socket, dislocating their arm to get them back to the curb? Are you? Well, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt them. They're going to die. This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. This is why Jesus is a big deal, because only he can save us. Because if we believe this, it changes everything. It changes what we value. It changes how we invest our time and money and what we put our energy into and what we don't put our energy into. It changes how we understand what really matters in life. Paul writes, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through what? The blood of the cross. Why did Jesus have to die? 
Because there was a price that had to be paid. Because God wanted us reconciled to himself, and if that didn't happen, it wasn't going to happen. How do we gain peace? How are we reconciled to God? Through buying something? Through going through the motions like Dan described? By being nice to one another? Hi, how are you? I'm fine. You know? By acting like every other way of living and believing is as good as another, and it doesn't really matter what you believe so long as you're nice and sincere? No! Jesus is the big deal because he is the only way. And by what he has done, and only by what he has done, can anyone have hope for eternity. It is, in fact, as the song Karen and Brad wrote, through his last breath, his saying, it is accomplished, it is finished, and only because of that that we have hope. That's why Jesus is a big deal. And Paul is writing into Colossae in the same way he's speaking into Carson City and America and the world today, saying, if this isn't the hope, if you've watered this down, if you put water in your gas tank, and any of you have ever had even the slightest bit of water in a gas tank, you know it's devastating. It's, it, it will kill. Nothing will work. Paul writes, and you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil things, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death. How does God bring us to himself? By make, taking our rebellion and nailing it to Jesus on the cross. Not to anyone or anything less. Our hostility and evil is not something the world would throw us in jail for. Our condition as sinful, rebellious people against God, no one's going to throw you in jail for that. They're going to go, in fact, probably it's something, the rebellion is, is something the world is going to applaud. Oh good, you're just like the rest of us. Thinking we don't need the cross. We don't need what Jesus did. We can save ourselves. That is the world we live in, and it has, it has infected the church. What's the big deal about Jesus? But the good news is that Jesus is bigger, a bigger deal than our rebellion and our denial. And he continues to confront the untruths of the world in the power of his Holy Spirit by showing that the schemes of humanity do not make us whole. No power in hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from God's hand. Our hope is in Christ alone. So what does it look like to live like Jesus is the big deal? By remaining steadfast in knowing him in his unchanging word and testimony. Has the Bible changed in 2,000 years? No. No. I can read it in the original language. I praise God for that. It hasn't changed. It means what it meant then it means what it means now do we still need what jesus did on the cross jesus did that two thousand years ago god provided that salvation two thousand years ago do we still need it or have we outgrown the need for that no we haven't has the world no then let's hold on to this and deepen our understanding of this so that we can communicate it and live it in word and in action with quiet and maybe not so quiet confidence that invites others to the big deal of Jesus, whether it's fixing a kid's flat tire or inviting a friend for a cup of coffee or saying to the world driving by out there, would you like to come in here? Yeah, to see the big deal of who Jesus is. 
Yeah, he's the big deal. He said so. And he left his fingerprints everywhere so that we may see them and desire him desiring us. Have you ever wanted that? Have you ever wanted to be desired by the greatest? Of course we have. Of course we have. He placed it in within us. In a magazine article a few years ago entitled The Race for the Secret of the Universe, there was a focus upon the Fermi Lab. Some of you know about the Fermi Lab. There's a four-mile round particle accelerator that resides west of Chicago. And the scientists gathered there are searching for the ever-elusive what's called Higgs boson God, or otherwise known as the God particle. The, the core cause purpose statement of how did it all happen. And in this article, it is explained that physicists believe that this special subatomic particle allows all other particles in the universe to have mass and come together to form, well, basically everything around us. Without so-called God particles, atoms would have no integrity. So there would be no chemical bonding, no stable structures, no liquids or solids, and of course, no physicists and reporters. Well, it's certainly possible, the article points out, that God built such a tiny particle into the deepest part of his creation, it isn't the God particle. It's not the Higgs boson God particle. The God particle that holds all things together, actually, the God person, is Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. What holds all of science and everything that we've ever imagined together? That God came into the world in person, fully God, and said, I'm here to put back together what the second law of thermodynamics, the sin of entropy, has caused to utterly disintegrate. And I alone will pull it back together, and I love you, and I love this creation, and I want to pull it back together. Will you let me? Consider what Paul writes in this verse. For in Christ all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, particles that we cannot see, thrones or powers or authorities, political parties, nations and rulers, things that have come and gone and will come and go. All. How? Through Jesus Christ. The most authenticated personality of ancient history is the God of the universe who's holding us together and holds together everything that we are about. Whether Jesus is the big deal is a question that calls to us from the cross. The cross he chose as the mark of his love and how we deal with it makes all the difference as our friend Max Lucado describes the pivotal nature of the cross. The pivotal nature of the cross in history for each of our lives. Max says it rests on the timeline of history like a compelling diamond. Its tragedy summons all sufferers. Its absurdity attracts all cynics. Its hope lures all searchers. History has idolized and despised, gold-plated and burned it, worn it and trashed it. History has done everything but ignore it. How could you ignore such a piece of lumber? 
suspended on its beams is the greatest claim in history. A crucified carpenter claiming to be God on earth, divine, eternal, the Savior of the world, the death slayer, never, never has timber been regarded so sacred. No wonder the Apostle Paul called the cross event the core of the gospel. It's bottom line sobering. If its account is true, it is history's hinge, period. If not, the cross is history's hoax. And here's the question for you, for me. Is it a hinge or is it a hoax? Because if it's a hinge, all the hoax is blown away. Do you know the greatest evidence for the greatness of Jesus? love for you and me it is that god-shaped vacuum inside every single one of us that when we're afraid or hungry or doubting or lonely or looking straight into death realizes that only jesus can fill us and that jesus wants to fill us so that it can pour out of these doors to people who need it more than the last breath they ever take more than anything Each of us needs to know the big deal of Jesus. It is the only thing that has ever mattered. It's the only thing that ever will matter. And now is the time to put our full confidence in this, in every day that we live and in all that we do. May we reflect and wrestle with this so that others may know Jesus and his glory be revealed to us. And may we not turn aside from this today, tomorrow, or ever. But regardless of where we are in age, may we say, I need to know what a big deal Jesus is. Amen. Let's pray. Father, your tender mercies reach into us and you do not leave us alone. Give us the courage to respond to what you alone have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand up. And let's join our lives and our voices in responding to what Jesus has done for us. Let's say this together. Jesus Christ is the only Savior of the world and the true awaited Messiah. For we teach and believe that this Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the unique and eternal Savior of the human race and thus of the whole world, in whom by faith we are saved all who before the law under the law and under the gospel were saved and however many will be saved at the end of the world for the lord himself says in the gospel he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way that man is a thief and a robber i am the door of the sheep amen may we love to tell this story may we find deep delight in being claimed by this story And may our closing hymn equip us to do just that.
And here's the good news. We know the story. And we can know the story more and more every day. And because of that, we go out of this place knowing that we go nowhere by accident. Where we go, God is sending us. Where we are, our Lord has a purpose in our being there. Because Christ indwells us. He has something he wants to do through us where we are. So may we believe it and go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the communion and fellowship and equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way. Amen.